Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 207 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Long day, late recording, but we come with the content, as always, consistent for everybody listening. Um, More and more, as the weeks go on, more eventful results, shocking results, and uh, late winners. Just uh, It's what everything we wanted from the past 10 weeks without the Prem, and it's serving up, and the Saudi League is just coming to take all of our fun away, it seems. (laughs) Yeah. Every single day, there's another signing. I mean, they've got Gabri Vega, the Saudis. Uh, they signed somebody else today. They signed Amrek Laporte last, I think, probably in between this episode and the last episode. It's crazy. Um, they are just spending their money. And I mean, maybe these players aren't top class, but they're players that have been at points really, really, really good. And when we see them go for the youth, like, that's when things start to get really scary because when your reserves in the Premier League or players that you're going to buy from other leagues start to dwindle, um, you have to go back to the farm. And I don't know. I think world football is going to get really, really weird really soon. Um, okay, so we're recording a little bit later tonight. Uh, Matt had a super long day, so we're going to try and keep this um as as quick and easy as possible uh we will be going over over every game don't you worry we'll go over all of the red cards again uh just uh uh, we came down from five last week to uh just three this week so uh we'll get to those but let's start off on friday and i'll hand it right to you chelsea three luton town nil yeah, it was worrying thinking if we didn't pick up a win here, having to go through the weekend and just think uh, we dropped points to Luton. But they're they're contenders for with Darby's record of the least points in the league. I think that's like 14 or 17, whatever it is. But yeah, they looked really bad. Fortunately for us, we get three goals here at home. Our first win at the bridge since March. So mm-hmm. that's saying something. Um, Frank Lampard and, and co., um, Sterling starts it off with a Malagusto assist in the 17th. We repeat that same combo in the 68th. And then Sterling got the assist on the Jackson goal, his first goal in the 75th. Um, Sterling popped off. It was great to see. People are buying in on the hype for him. Uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not in on it yet because it was Luton Town. Um, I'm saving my my full praise until we get past these cupcake matches where we should be winning with results like this. Um, and we need more out of Jackson to be putting chances away. He could have had at least two or three in this match, but just getting that first one under his belt is it can, can go a long way for him. And also what he does off the ball for everybody else around him makes them better. So uh, a better performance from Caicedo in his first official start. Enzo being the playmaker he is. Um, I will say Ben Chilwell not shooting that one ball in the second half. He was yeah. clean in. Um, I heard a good reason. The only reason that he possibly didn't shoot that ball was because he had Sterling on his FPL team that week. <laughs> so um, if it was anything but that, I'd be surprised. But yeah, overall, great performance. It's what you want to see. And for Luton, it's just they... They can't uh, create any chances. They had one shot on target, 11 shots in total. 
they're just uh it's just not working for them and then Ross Barkley got his debut there starting and yeah he looked uh miles off the mark yeah it just doesn't look great for Luton at all I mean there's not really anything um you can take from their performance to say like at least their work rates are high or at least they're keeping shape or anything like that it just looks like they probably weren't ready uh to come up and maybe last season was a serious flash in the pan it does it is a bit unfortunate honestly because we've seen some of these like super shitter teams come up and they're kind of like darlings but i think it is almost unanimous that Luton will be going right down. They just do not have any quality whatsoever in terms of first-team players outside of Ross Barkley, and that is that is tough. You have to at least try to bring in some proven talent in the Premier League when you get promoted, and they just didn't seem to do it. So I have no idea uh, what the rest of the season holds for Luton, but they made Chelsea look like Real Madrid in this one. So that's that's not a great sign. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we had, excuse me, Bournemouth nil, Tottenham 2. James Madison with a goal in the 17th minute after being in a walking boot last year, or last week, and then Dejan Kulisevsky. Back on the score sheet for the first time in a long time with a goal in the 63rd. Another buccaneering gritty performance from Big Ange's Spurs. We saw Basuma and Saar have fantastic games again. I thought Madison was sensational. Uh, Sun looks to be a bit off the pace, but Kulu get, gets back on the score sheet. Uh, that does wonders for his confidence, I'm sure. And then we have to talk about <laughs> Richarlison. Um, I don't know what's going on with Richarlison, but he might genuinely be like fully finished. I think he has the yips, and the yips are are something I'm I'm very very familiar with. It's it's common in baseball. It's common in golf. A lot of times, guys get the putting yips or the chipping yips. Um, and I think Richarlison just has the football yips in general because he can't dribble, he can't receive the ball, he can't shoot, his positioning is terrible. I think he's really thinking about the price tag that he carried and not thinking about playing football. And that is really, really tough to do as a striker, and especially as a striker who used to score goals quite naturally and quite easily. Uh, this looks really, really bad. I think Spurs will be okay even if he doesn't contribute, but can you imagine how much better they would be if he was contributing? Yeah, we mentioned last week about players playing for clubs where the pressure isn't as much on them as in uh, Brentford with Embuemo and Visa and Richarlison stepping up from Everton where his goals meant everything for them. It kept them up, and now he's in a position where they're pushing for European positions and having to also replace Harry Kane is something that is unfair to anybody in that situation, but it's a, it's a results business. We, it's heavily reliant on your, or your, your performance and you need to be scoring. That's what you're there to pay. You're paying paid for. So if he can't get it done. They have to find somebody else. And in this squad currently, they don't really have another they don't, option. They don't. Besides, but yeah, they, they, they've been sliding the sun out to the forward and they'll put Parasic in at the left wing. So, I don't know if that that should be a long term 
uh, solution for them. They have a week. We have a week left up until Friday night, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, for us on East Coast, 6 p.m. for them over there, it'd be 11 p.m. So they have until then if they want to sign somebody. They're sitting on that 100 mil on the Kane deal. So um, there's plenty of time left to get something done. But at this point, it seems like it'd be rushed. It would be rushed or um, a bit impulsive because if they wanted to get somebody, they would have done it already. So we'll have to wait and see. But it seems like the manager overall is, is, has been controlling the situation. He fixed the the cane the cane situation as well. That wasn't up to him, but it, it's one less thing off his plate, and the media won't pressure him about it all season. So he gets to move on and build this team, and it's looking like it's going in the right direction. Their new key pieces are in there, new faces, some old faces that weren't playing well last year. So it's great to see for them, for Bournemouth, another tough match against uh, a rising team. And it's they had their chances to get back in the game. Billing right before the half had a great opportunity. Solanke not too much. And then um, Semenyo had a bit of a back-to-reality effect after that Liverpool result. Cliver gets a start, and I feel like their DMs need a little bit of work. Rothwell's a hard worker. Came back and stopped one on the goal line on that Richarlison chance that Madison gave him in the first half. Uh, and I think Lloyd Kelly back in the starting lineup, the captain. So... They're going to have to get the results at home, even though they lost here. They're going to have to get results against their their uh, competition in their area of the table that they're probably going to finish. I have them getting relegated, um, which right now it's looking in that direction. But we'll have to wait until, until they get a favorable run of fixtures. And then that's going to be where we really see what this Bournemouth team's all about. Yeah. Uh, and before we move on from Spurs uh, and Bournemouth, uh, I really want to give a shout out to, to Mickey Vandeven. Um, not a signing that like really moved the needle for me at all. Uh, I didn't think it would be anything special, but he's been really, really, really sound back there with Romero. Uh, Destiny Odogi has, has stepped up massively. We didn't see him come off in this game, but when he was on the pitch, I, I thought he was great. And then Vicario, uh, super upgrade, honestly, from Larice. Wasn't tested all that many times in this one. Uh, only three shots on target for Bournemouth, but, uh, it looks like Spurs have kind of patched up some of the holes at the back. And honestly, I thought they'd be leaking goals with Ange coming in just because that's kind of how things happen. When he comes in, they concede, they score, but they concede as well. And it's not really been that way. I mean, Spurs have been pretty watertight and I know the competition's not great here against Bournemouth, but it'll take a clean sheet any day of the week. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next. We had... Brentford won, Crystal Palace won. Brentford strike early with a Kevin Shaw goal in the 18th minute. And Palace leave it late with a Joachim Anderson goal in the 76 to share the points. What a tough fought match this was. Palace certainly the more threatening team on attack, registering five shots on target versus Brentford's one, which of course was the Kevin Shaw goal early. Um, possession split pretty much down the middle. I think Brentford, you know, honestly seemed to be kind of lackadaisical when they were holding the ball. The forward play wasn't quite what we expect. Wisson and Buemo not necessarily getting as involved uh, as we would have hoped, but that just comes down to the defense that we kind of saw Crystal Palace play last week against Arsenal. Gehi, Tariq Mitchell, even Ward and Anderson, very just pesky 
um, they don't quit. They fight hard. Roy's got them really playing well, I think, defensively as well as offensively. Um, and they somehow or another were able to shut down Embuemo and Visa, who have just been absolutely sensational to to start the year. So really, really impressive performance from Palace. I don't think Brentford will be too upset with a point in this one. Palace are a good side this year, but I think Palace will absolutely be more pleased with their result than the Bees will be with theirs. Yeah, it was a, a hard-fought point for Palace coming back after the, the Arsenal result last week. They're, they're proving themselves well, as you mentioned, against the top half-table sides. Going to Brentford isn't an easy task, and they went in there and... In the latter half of the game, they really dominated it and should make they had our opportunities to maybe get Nick a winner, but evenly matched uh, Shada with with goal of the weekend potentially. It was a great solo run there for him for his first goal with the club, and then uh, Anderson at center back making those advanced runs and somehow squeaked that in at the end. So uh, tough match. Both teams didn't really use too many subs. So. We'll start seeing more of their squad. The League Cup is starting middle of this week, so all these teams will be participating in that. So we may see some new faces in there, and potentially maybe they squeak into the, the fixtures this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to the next. We had, oh, uh, yes, Arsenal 2, Fulham 2. Um, good God. This was a sweaty one. I was working... Uh, so I had to watch while I was, I think I had like eight or nine tables at one point and somebody caught me just fucking staring locked eyes at the TV. Um, <laughs> we conceded early first minute, uh, just a duffed back pass from Saka. Wasn't, wasn't necessarily his finest pass. Um, fumbled it, got, kind of got into loose space. Andres Pereira got onto the end of it, uh, caught Ramsdale just. I don't know what he was doing. He was looking up at the sun, couldn't figure out where his posts were, went right, went left, and Pereira just finished coolly uh, for that goal in the first minute. It wasn't until the 70th minute that Arsenal struck back with a penalty of their own. Bukayo Saka did step up and take this one and finished coolly as well. Uh, of course, that penalty was gifted after a substitution in which Fabio, Fabio Vieira, who I kind of have maligned um, in my time, or in his time at the club. Uh, fantastic. Drew the penalty. Saka finished coolly. And then in the 72nd minute, another sub. Somebody that every time I mention his name, he scores. Eddie Inketia. Uh Fantastic goal there. Up to one. Uh, and then Calvin Bassey denied Eddie Inketia of another goal-scoring opportunity. Pretty much just like a user hit stick uh, from Madden. Just totally knocked Inketia down. Got the red. Sent off. And then unfortunate error on a corner failure to cover Jao Paulina resulted in a goal 2-2. We share the points despite Arsenal dominating on every single front. Uh, man, this was a tough game to watch, but Fulham genuinely fought really hard. And the possession that we did have, we didn't really do enough with, so... Despite our 11 shots on target, just not enough. Great goalkeeping from Bern Leno in this one as well. Yeah, he's been their man of the, the season in their first three matches. I think he's got over like 15 to 20, 20 saves. And the, the fullbacks have been restricted specifically in this match. You guys didn't really allow them to get too high and get involved in the buildup. 
Uh, Jimenez had a better better showing today than he did in the previous matches. And uh, just that early goal really set him up for the result they ended up getting. Uh, it's it's tough. I, I would more so talk about Arsenal here with the starting lineup and specifically the midfield. It seems like that's the most concerning area people have when watching them is Havertz um, and what his role is. And it seems like in both all three of these matches, they've been really hard fought. You guys haven't dominated specifically with the scoreline, obviously, but still like chance creation and all that isn't fully there. So I would more so ask, like, what's the changes that Arteta needs to make, in your opinion? Or do you think this is like a slow burn, like change type deal where it's it's early in the season still and the lads need more time on the training ground to really get the full emphasis on what we're trying to do here and the execution will come? I mean, Havertz is just like not, I just don't think he's good enough. Uh, I know that's, like, I don't know if it's a cop-out answer or what, but every time he finds himself in a good position, he manages to either pass it to the wrong player or just not do anything of note. And I don't think he's a center mid. I don't think he fits into this team really whatsoever because we almost don't play with an attacking mid. Odegaard is the one that slots in, and I think that's where Havertz shines. Um like I think a lot of the issues do actually come down to Havertz because he's kind of just wasting space on the pitch. But I I don't know who you put in there instead. Is, is Jorginho a better or Jorginho a better option? Like I I don't I don't know, but I don't think Havertz was the right buy for seventy eight million or whatever we paid for him. And he's he's genuinely wasting space holding up play and just not doing what we need him to do. When it just makes sense to push Partey up there, allow Rice to get higher, and then you slide Ben White back to right back where he did great last year, and you start Gabriel Mangalesh back in the middle. Yeah, but at the same time, I think because of all of the issues that Gabriel made at the end of last season, um, Arteta doesn't want to start him, which I, I kind of like. I, I can appreciate that. So unless we put Zinchenko back there and let Kivior play center back and let Ben White go back out to left back, then like I don't I don't know what else we can do unless we put Zinchenko in at left center mid and then keep the back line the same. But I don't do you think Partey's been bad at right back? Because I, I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think he's been terrible because you do the inverted fullback so yeah. it's ultimately like it gets up. Yeah. He'll he'll push into the Odegaard space and Odegaard almost plays behind the striker. So mm-hmm. It's a more fluid formation type of deal um, where he gets that extra midfielder in there at the cost of playing more of a three-in-the-back type deal at times. So it's uh, I guess it's a work in progress. You get guys like Nketiah coming off the bench. You didn't have to pay much at all for him, and he's perf- he's providing. Great. Yeah. It, it makes you think about what Arteta saw in Havertz and brought him in for 65 mil. I just don't and get it. There's something there where he sees he can use him, but... Obviously, when it doesn't pop off right away, people are going to get on him instantly. So um, we'll probably have to wait and see as the season goes on. Uh, when European ball starts, obviously League's Cup, I mentioned. So we'll see where, if he needs to make changes, he'll do it. Because if they start falling behind in the title race early on, everybody's going to get really upset. And maybe there's some changes that need to be made instantaneously. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird because... I was more I was more worried about Rice 
fitting right in. But I, I genuinely no. think Rice has been pretty good. Like, he's been really solid. I don't think he's been amazing. He doesn't look like he's worth, you know, the record fee. But um, he's been good. I, I, can't, I don't have anything to say about it. I just think Havertz has been terrible. And when you look at when Havertz was really, really good, it wasn't when he was at Chelsea. I know he scored the fucking winning goal in the Champions League, but that even then, he wasn't wasn't as good as he was at Leverkusen when he was really young. And when he was really young, he was a center forward and he was a striker. And I think that's where he belongs. And that's just so far away from the way that Arsenal play now. If you're looking at 2003, 2002, or even like late 90s Arsenal, sure, you play with a center forward, you play with two pacey wings. But we're not there anymore. And that's, he's just, he doesn't fit. He genuinely just does not fit in this side. I hope he proves me wrong, but I can't say it. Yeah, I just don't think the team's built around him. It's Good built around it. it's built around your your wings and Odegaard in behind mainly. And those are the guys you ultimately want on the ball anyway in the dangerous areas. Yeah. Um all right. Bring us into the next Manchester United three. Nottingham Forest two, but man, there's more to that story. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a stranger start. At Old Trafford, not enforced on the road, only took 11 points last year, all season on the road, and they've done really well. Uh, only a 2-1 defeat to Arsenal. They were in that game, and then they lost this match in the end, but 3-2, but they started the first four minutes up 2-0 off a Taiwo Wonyi goal, uh, gives away assist off a Man United corner, funnily enough, it gets cleared out, and Marcus Rashford is your last man back and gets into a tussle with Wanyi. He's not the biggest fan of defending and then gets outpaced a bit. And you're not you're not thinking that with Rashford. Everybody plays FIFA. He's got a 90-plus pace, a Wanyi maybe 70s. So uh, that's a bit surprising there. But, I mean, a Wanyi wanted it more. Uh, on Onana was caught out in no man's land and ultimately got memed on he fell on his butt and then popped up and i saw the the f1 pictures of him in the car just it was, <laughs> yeah. it was uh it was wild because that's a, something that could have been eradicated from the, a little bit earlier if he was in a better position but things happen so fast and then not even 90 seconds later willie uh, bali willie bali <laughs> off a, a crawl of a free kick uh six guys around him he didn't even have to jump. It just hit right off his face. And in his reaction, it was just incredible. The Force fans were in limbs, and it was a big moment. Fortunately for United, Erickson gets one back in the 17th from Rashford on the left doing his thing, taking Aurier one-on-one, cooking him. And then Casemiro started the second half from a free kick goal from Bruno. A nice, well-worked play. I was a little bit skeptical about the start of it, but... It worked out eventually, caught Forrest off guard, and then Casemiro with the equalizer. Joe Worrell with a red card in the 67th minute, taking down Bruno Fernandez on a through ball. Uh, and then Bruno gets a penalty nine minutes later, and that's the game winner. And uh, towards the end, got a couple close calls for United, almost ended up dropping points again. But in the end, they end up winning 3-2. They're on six points now, uh, if I'm correct, and... Mm -hmm. The way they've been playing, it seems like they shouldn't have those six points. It seems like they should have maybe two. Nah, dude. They... they... <laughs> dude. I have not seen a team 
with two wins at this point in the season that have looked fucking worse than Manchester United. They look so fucking lost. It's not even it's not even remotely funny. I expected United to be just absolutely unreal this year. They are nowhere close. Anthony looks lost. Rashford much better in this one, we should say. He was effervescent throughout the entire game. Bruno got a goal, but still not not the level of performance that we expect from him. Um, the defense just looks absolutely putrid outside of Juan Basaka. Veron and Martinez just totally off the pace. Onana has been getting beat left, right, and center. Um, it's not good. And I mean, you heard the Forest fans after the second goal. You're getting sacked in the morning, Ten Hag. And for a minute, man, it it looked so bleak. Uh, lucky to get three points. I think you have to applaud them with a comeback definitely from, from going down that early. But the thing is, is it was early. Uh, there was an entire, there was basically 90 minutes left. There was more than 90 minutes left. Um, by the time, you know, Forrest scored their second goal and a team with a quality like that at the back with McKenna, Worrell and Bully, like, I don't know if you're going to be able to defend Marcus Rashford for 90 minutes. You know, I think we always knew United were going to work themselves back into the game, but the defense has to be shored up because you let two goals up against Arsenal, you let two goals up against Liverpool or City, you're not coming back. And they can't afford to do that when this season starts to really get underway. Yeah, I would take a lot of positives with Steve Cooper here. With this result similar to the Arsenal one. I mean, we saw how they performed against Sheffield last weekend at home, dominated that match, got the win 2-1, and I think that can follow, and I, I'm pretty certain that they're good enough to earn enough points to where they can be safe, because I feel like Luton and Sheffield are destined to go down, and then Everton's looking like the third, so they're, we might not be in a situation like last year where the last couple weeks there's seven teams up for relegation. So uh, I think they're going to be able to get enough points early on to feel secure. And they're for, the beginning of the year for them is really rough. Arsenal, United, they play Chelsea next week, and I think they have one more big team before things become more more on equal playing field for them on paper. So uh, Matt Turner, shout out to him. He made a big save on Anthony. Um, I have a bet with my brother. Um, Anthony versus Mudrick, who's, who scores more goals. We got money on the line for that. Um, both of them still on zero. Mudrick injured. Anthony, three matches, no goals. So big up Matt Turner for that. And then, uh, yeah, I don't see where United's getting better um, with the, their performances unless unless Hoyland absolutely makes his debut against Arsenal next week, uh, a masterclass. Uh, it's going to be similar things here. Yeah, Rasmus Toilet. Um, yeah, we should say between the Mudrick and, and Anthony thing, Mudrick may be injured, but Anthony is retarded, so you should be okay. Um, okay, let's move on. Everton, nil, Wolves, one. Asasa Kaladzic goal in the 87th minute. God, his name is so hard to pronounce, is the difference in this one. Of course, uh, Kaladzic did start on the bench. Um, it wasn't until so, so, so late that Wolves were able to nick a winner. Everton, of course, on zero points with zero goals for. It looks so bad for them. Um, we saw... Do you know anything about this Groneveld guy? Or was that Danjuma up top? That is, uh, should be Danjuma now. Yeah, I didn't, so I, I only saw the highlight from the goal, but, um... 
Do you know how Denjuma played? I, I genuinely could not bring myself to watch this game, and it doesn't look like I missed much based on the box score. But, um, you know, nice finish there from Kalachic in the end, and definitely a effective three points for Wolves. They should be taking points against that team. Now they're on 15th on three points. Yeah, uh, that's sneak peek into the 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 good player and the bad player of the week segment, but Dan Juma's up for one of those two awards, and it's more so the latter here. He had a bundle of opportunities to get Everton on the board and just couldn't find his shooting boots. It was uh, hard to watch at times for him. He, he, was, he was great up front, pressing guys heavily. He has the work rate and the desire to perform, but it just seems like that end product once again Wolves knows how it goes. Um, he just couldn't find the back end of that. So, yeah, he he was a big factor for them. Their midfield was a bit shaky. Gay turned the ball over so many times. It was unbelievable in key areas. Um, Braithwaite got a start in the back next to Tarkowski. He steps in with Michael Keane. He's a young prospect that they like that will probably play significant minutes this year. Um Pickford and Saab both made incredible saves here that I could not explain or fathom making myself. And um, yeah, I mean, Everton are going through a massive injury crisis with a lot of their key attacking guys. So it's tough. They three straight defeats now um, against competition that they should be earning points over. And it's, it's, they haven't even played any of the big dogs yet. So if this is what we're getting here against Wolves and, and, um, who else did they play? Uh, Fulham and yeah. then Villa. I mean, the Villa one was absolutely a disaster, but the other two, they should be getting something against them. So hopefully next week it's a bit better. Um, they have Sheffield it, next week. It's it's a must win. We talked about this being a must win for both teams, and now we've been seeing Sheffield and their performance against City was more encouraging um, to see how they can prove against other teams moving forward unfortunate with the ending in that match but positives there and against an Everton team that's there I think they're the only team that haven't scored a goal yet it's uh it's anybody's game there so Sean Dice needs to whip something up because everybody knows he's a guy that can stop the goals but I mean they're not scoring any so it's uh it's it's crisis mode there right now and for Wolves massive three points for O'Neal they get to bounce back, um, and it's going to be like this all year. They're going to have a, more downs than ups, and it's not going to be the prettiest of results most of the time. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's the truth. Sorry. I'm yawning just thinking about watching Wolves again next week. Um, okay, Brighton 1, West Ham 3. Uh, this is another just fucking insane one. Uh, got to watch all of this one. Made sure that I was at a television for this. Uh, sitting at the bar. The most FIFA stat line, most FIFA game uh, I've seen in a considerable amount of time. West Ham took the lead early with new man James Ward-Prowse sliding and finishing nicely uh, on a ball that was bouncing towards the probably touch line. Uh, Jared Bowen getting on the score sheet in the 58th, and then Mikel Antonio looking absolutely revived in the 63rd. Pascal Gross got one back in consolation in the 81st, but it was way too late. Uh, just not enough for the Seagulls on the goal-scoring front. They did manage 10 shots on target. They had 78% possession versus West Ham's 22, 
West Ham completed only 208 passes in this game and were able to conjure three goals from it. Talk about a clinical display of goal scoring prowess. <laughs> and I, I like I don't know what to say because West Ham didn't look that good. Um but they were they were clinical in this one, and this is a fucking huge three points. West Ham are currently sitting in second place on seven points, level with Arsenal, Liverpool, and Tottenham. It's 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 David Moyes knowing his team, his tactics, and knowing how to combat his opponents. We saw last week against Chelsea, they played to our our weaknesses and our size and dominated us on set pieces. And in this one, they, they did similarly just on the counterattack here. They understood Brighton would be massively massive favorites in the possession game and would dominate them. So they ultimately just parked everybody in their own box and just battled, battled, used their size to their advantage. They have absolute mammoths in the back and have also bolstered in the middle with Edson Alvarez, Suchek, Ward Prowse being a deep line playmaker, and then having the likes of Paqueta Bowen being the creative forces forward for Antonio to be an absolute dog and chasing things down. It's it's perfect for Moyes, and I'm sure he's looking for maybe one more guy to bring in potentially, but it's all positive sides for them, and it adds that confidence to their fans to compete on multiple fronts this year. Where it's it's we don't know maybe I don't know if they'll be able to make a deep run in the Europa League as they did in the Conference League, but if they're getting these points early on like they are now, it they're not going to be in a scary situation like they were uh, last season. So good for them, Antonio. We saw this last year and the year before. He always starts the seasons off well, but then he just fades away. He has a long hibernation. So we'll have to see if he can get double figures. I'm not. Sure, when the last time he got double-digit goals in the Prem, or if he ever has, but he's been through the ranks in the English leagues, and uh, it's just it's a good story for him. And for Brighton, it's super frustrating. The home fans were a bit stunned, similar to how the last year when they lost 5-1 to Everton at the Amex. It was one of those moments. So the back line, it seemed like we're having issues, specifically at the right side. Milner's side was getting exposed a bit. Adam Webster with an error on the one goal they conceded. So teams may be targeting James Milner and going after him. We've been seeing Joel Veltman come in and replace him late on in the second half. So that may be an area they need to fix. And then their strike force with NCSO out for four months. There's there's a more availability there for other guys to step in. We saw Ferguson start. Didn't do anything. Welbeck as well. Super frustrating with everybody else that performs well. He never really gets any any end product. So And I don't know why Xiao Pedro is coming off the bench. Uh, that's the big signing they had last year. It seems like he should be a guy leading the line, if not playing behind Ferguson. So frustrating for Brighton, but they're still ultimately going to end up most likely in a top six battle again like they were last year and maybe just some growing pains at this point but it's a uh, it was one of those days that it worked out for Moyes where maybe seven or eight times out of ten they they get battered here yeah and I mean West Ham are like they seem way more potent going forward without Rice in the midfield um I don't know if that if, if that has anything to do with him or or not but um like they just look they look way better finishing and putting ward prowls in there is like 
I, I cannot believe he didn't go to an, like West Ham is the club that he settled on. I, I genuinely can't believe somebody else didn't buy him. He walks into any team in the Premier League. I think honestly, including City. Like, can you imagine if they yeah. got if they got him and fucking De Bruyne got injured, they could just put him in there and he'd be sick. You know, where Kovacic is playing, that's that's where James Ward Prowse could be playing and he'd probably have scored two goals already as well for them. I don't know. That might be a bit of a stretch, but I just think West Ham is just obviously we know now after seeing his last two performances. But I mean, from the start of the summer, we were saying West Ham would be a perfect fit for him. It's just similar to Southampton, just that low block defense. Don't really have too much possession as of recently for Southampton, but it just works out so well for him now. Um, Suchik did pick up an unfortunate injury here, so I don't know how long he'll be out, but. Still, I mean, JWP on set pieces and with the size West Ham has is a perfect combo. I, I think if Maguire would have signed two, that would have been more strengths to the what they already have in the back as well as set pieces. The guy's got a, a, a five head and is just absolute magnet to the ball. So uh, it's it's great signs for West Ham here. And it's it's good to see for uh, for for West Ham fans all around. And yeah, just hopefully uh, they don't finish above Chelsea. That would be catastrophic for the program. Yeah, I would. Um, okay. What do you think of Sheffield United 1, Manchester City 2? Uh, I was away at like a high school tournament all day, so I wasn't able to catch any of the match here as well as the Liverpool one. Saw bits of it, but just going off the stats and what I'm seeing here on paper or on my screen, I should say. It's a result that we didn't think was possible. Um, and Erling Holland missing a penalty. Yeah. Really shocked a lot of people off the post I saw. And even in his goal celebration, where they eventually scored in the 63rd, Grealish into Holland back post, smash header. He was uh, he was just a bit relieved and happy he, he got that one back because he was probably going into halftime really upset that he missed that. He felt like he let his boys down. So also there was a guy that ran on the pitch and like piggybacked on him and kissed Holland's cheek. Championship boxer. Yeah. He was a boxer of some sort. I was, I was like, what the hell? Um, Funnily enough, Kyle Walker makes a mistake, does a weird back heel to, I guess he was going to hit it off the Sheffield player and go out for a goal kick. Didn't work out. Eventually falls to Jaden Bogle who smashes it in past city 85th minute, you're thinking Sheffield nicking a point here is incredible for them, their first point of the year. And then, uh, again, Man City doing uh, Fergie-type, uh, Sir Alex-type things in a uh, late time. He They score off a corner kick, comes off Phil Foden, and then Rodri instantaneously just whacks it in, top bends off the left foot. Uh, he's their, He's just been their big man. Big goal scorer when it comes to big moments. We saw last year in the Champions League final. We saw him at the beginning of this year um, against, what was it, Newcastle, I think, in the first game. No, 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 somebody else. But, um, yeah, he's been stepping up in the scoring category, too. We've seen a lot of DMs recently been scoring a lot more goals. And Casemiro, Rodri, um, Rice got involved last year with West Ham. It seems like these guys are getting more advanced with these inverted fullbacks. So, yeah, Man City get three points as we thought, but 
not in the fashion. So it's it's a once again it's another stab in in Sheffield's back, just trying to find positives where they can, but to no avail. Yeah, I mean, I a lot of this comes down for me. Like City just looked way, 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 way different and way more discombobulated without Pep on the sideline. I think they fear him. Yeah. Like I know he's such a huge part of the team, and they respect him, and he respects them, and it's it's a big family thing. Um, obviously, we we can't say anything about how Pep runs the football club. We he does it well. They won the treble last year, but they didn't look great <laughs> when when Pep was you know recovering from back surgery. Uh, that's that's a huge thing, and. Sheffield United gave them a serious run for their money. Obviously, the penalty miss from Holland uh, kind of negates the fact that they should have been, could have been 1-0 up. Um, but they conceded again, like late. It could have been 1-1, but Rodri saved them, of course. Again, he saves them all the time. Uh, they take all three points, but it wasn't pretty. And this is one of those things that, as an Arsenal fan, like you're hoping City slip. You're hoping City get a draw when you get a draw. And you guys are level on points, but unfortunately, that's just not the case. We do have a clear number one in the league at this point, and it is still Manchester City. So that's off to them, but not really what I wanted to see uh, yesterday out of that one. Okay, up next, Burnley 1, Aston Villa 3. Matty Cash with a delicious double, 1 in the 8th, 1 in the 20th. Uh, put Villa ahead 2-0 going into the half. After the half, Burnley came out a little bit incensed. Lyle Foster, a name we haven't mentioned uh, hardly at all this year so far. A goal in the 47th, nice, quick, pacey player. Um, definitely a player that Burnley are going to be using probably for the rest of the season alongside M. Dooney. I think that's probably their two best uh, attacking options. But in the 61st minute, one of my guys, Musa Diaby, scored and pretty much sealed the deal. Um, Aston Villa just able to combat Burnley's high press and really do the business early uh, in this one. I think they looked amazing. Villa continued to really, really impress me. They're another team who are right around that mid-table, uh, high to mid-table uh, spot. They're in seventh right now on six points. That one loss in week one was a bit unfortunate, but... They're really scoring goals, and they really, really, really look impressive to me. And it's a team with so much depth. Uh, we saw a little bit of Zaniolo uh, on a loan deal from Gala, I believe. He was, of course, a AS Roma product and was sold to Galatasaray. Uh, he looked good when he came on, looked silky. We've got John Duran, who scored uh, last week, I believe. And then, of course, we saw a little bit of Yuri Tielemans, just three minutes enough to make sure that I didn't get any fantasy points for my bench and Bertrand Traore. But, yeah, really, really good play uh, from the back. Dinier looks fantastic. Matty Cash, of course, getting two goals. And the defense looks pretty, pretty solid with Torres, uh, Carlos, and Ezri Kanza. Yeah, when Robin Olsen comes in to replace Emmy Martinez, who was out with a late fitness test i mean the, there's always something wacky that goes on in that back line with him in between the sticks and it cost him a one goal but still this burnley team dominated in possession a bit but they just couldn't seem to get in the areas to really capitalize on 
the the villa defense there and um that may be a problem for them this year similar to how wolves do it they they dominate possession a bit but can't get that end result in the right areas they did get a goal there though Lyle Forrest Foster nice moment for him but Diaby seems like a great signing uh, has that instant impact that Leon Leon Bailey didn't when he came both of them came from Byron Leverkusen um Cash in that wingback role was great Ollie Watkins still hasn't scored in the league yet but is giving assists handing assists out easily should have had a goal here Missed a tap in from six yards out right into Trafford, who is really having a tough start to his uh, first season in the Prem. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's looking rough for Burnley. We both thought they would get twelfth, but uh, two games, two defeats. Obviously, one to City and another to a Villa team that's been surging um, since Unai's come in. They get a bet. Oh, I was about to say they had a better matchup. They have to host Spurs now, who look lively going forward so that may be another pumping but yeah we fully haven't seen what company's about with these guys and maybe <laughs> similar to Sheffield and Luton they maybe they just don't have the quality yet and out of the three teams they've done the most business they've spent the most money but it's uh it's not looking too good and uh they did sign Aaron Ramsey Jacob Ramsey's brother Burnley did so uh that was nice to see there um uh, going against his former club but yeah, it was uh ultimately didn't didn't get anything out of it for Vincent in their first home match. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And then we'll move to the last game of the week. Newcastle one, Liverpool two. St. James Park was absolutely jumping for this one, and Newcastle got off to the hot start. Anthony Gordon with a goal in the twenty-fifth minute. Uh scoring of course off of an error made by who other than Trent Alexander Arnold. Just an absolutely putrid pass with his left foot. Uh, Gordon capitalized, finished nicely. Uh, 1-0 heading into the 28th minute when Virgil van Dijk denied Alexander Isak a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Uh, Did get a little bit of the ball, to be fair, but obviously definitely a denial of the goal-scoring opportunity. And through the letter of the law, that is a clear straight red card. Van Dijk sent off, obviously very upset with the referees. Klopp pretending like he didn't see anything happen whatsoever. Um, I don't know if you've seen the tackle, but uh, if I was the referee on that pitch, that is absolutely a red. I don't care that Van Dyke is six foot six. I'm sending you the fuck off. Yeah, I mean Newcastle haven't beaten Liverpool since December of 20, 2015. Mm-hmm. This was a you couldn't ask for a better time to beat them. Down to ten men. Up 1-0, at home, everything's going your way. You're exposing Trent like every team is. They're attacking that right side, rightfully so. You have Joel Matip covering for Konate, who was a doubt going into this match. So everything was going your way. And it's it was more so that Newcastle lost the match rather than Liverpool won it, where big, big credit to Klopp with the changes he made and, and for... Nunez doing what he did, coming up massive for them in a time where they needed him. And it's just Newcastle didn't have that instinct to to close the game out. If you get that second goal, uh, New Liverpool's pretty much out of it. There's no shot. They come back three goals with 10 men away from home. And going into halftime, when you're up and, and they're on 10, it's like, you. I think Eddie Howe did say, like, we got to kill it off. We got to end up getting this next goal and it's just they didn't have it 
and that ultimately cost them. It gave Liverpool that hope and that that window of opportunity to think we get one, we could push on for this. So um, Allison did make a massive save in that first half after the red that kind of boosted their confidence and. It was massive for them, and, and it just adds confidence to what they're doing moving forward, and hopefully that, that convince, convinces Salah to stay and not go to the Saudi Saudi League where their window is extended a week longer than the Prem. Their their window ends on September 8th, where the the, the EPL is the 1st of September. So we, we have extra time there to sweat that out if you're a Liverpool fan and a Mo Salah guy, but... Uh, I don't know why he would leave. That they're they're looking great, getting points where they need, and still I don't know Newcastle. That's iffy there. I think Botman went off with an injury, so that can be an issue for them moving forward. Having to maybe slide Dan Byrne in there, or maybe play Lescott in there. Their their former captain. So, yeah, questions there for Newcastle, and it doesn't become any easier because now they have to travel to Brighton, who is a similar level to them, where they're they're pushing to be a, a top six team. Yeah, um, and I mean, we should say the arrival of Darwin Nunez on this pitch was totally the difference in this game. He, of course, came on in the 81st, absolute arrow laser beam goal there, and then scored again in the 93rd on an assist from none other than Mo Salah, Saudi Arabia's next prince. Um, just, just unbelievable. I mean, Liverpool were just dialed in. They were so ready for this one, and... Newcastle, unfortunately, made the, the error of holding a 1-0 lead. You just cannot do that. They had chances and chances and chances. Uh, Almiron should have scored. They weren't able to do it. They should have gone up 2-0, and then at worst, maybe you get a draw. But I think if you go up 2-0, they're down a man. Chances are Liverpool don't get back into the game, and you take all three points in front of a packed crowd at St. James's Park, and that's exactly what Newcastle needed. Uh, you know, in terms of setting them up for success this season. Instead, they sit on three points with, you know, a loss in their last two. And I'm sure they're going to be really, really disappointed in this one. So super unfortunate. And I think uh, Liverpool deserved all three points, honestly, with how hard they played at the end. Uh, congratulations to Darwin Nunes, who seems like he he learned how to shoot the, the soccer ball, the football. This is just... We've been waiting yeah. for this, and now he looks... If he can do that every week, or not even every other week, then he's worth the money they paid for him. Yeah, he, he's been the face of, of Fraud Watch for a long Indeed time. Indeed he has. Okay, that's all the matches from last week. We can hop into our best player and worst players of the week. Uh, Evan, if you want to start off with your Stephen A. Worst Player of the Week. Stop uh -huh. the cap! Oh wait, no, that's not it. Wait. <laughs> I am having a very bad day. Mm -hmm. I'm there we go. That's the one I wanted. Yeah. Um. I have to give this one to Kai Havertz. Uh. I mean, the guy's dog shit. We've talked about it already. Uh. He's wasting a spot in the Arsenal side that I so intricately watch every single week. Uh, and I cannot stand it. I need him out of the team. I need honestly need him sent to Saudi Arabia. I don't know if it's even possible to do a buy and sell this quick turnaround wise, but I'd let him go for like five mil at this point. Uh, he's got to he, he's got to go ten mil. You can take him for free. I don't care. Send him to Al Ali. Honestly, he it's it's got to be that because he was so useless this weekend. 
Do you think it would have a similar effect to how uh, Mount outside of the United lineup, that type of effect? Yeah, I mean, Mount Mount will figure it out, though. I don't think Havertz can. Okay. Uh, Zach did send me his uh, for this week. He's going with Dan Juma. You Fair. asked me. Um, that one hit, hits home for him on his fantasy. Uh, the, the reasoning he gave me, uh, first off, he forgot his finishing boots. Yeah. Everton were unlucky at home once again, not scoring. Uh, the forwards not producing in general in Neil Mopai. And uh, they had a debut for their homegrown Dobbins out on the left wing. And then uh, just the team struggling with injuries, I already mentioned. And uh, McNeil, Harrison, Owobi, and uh, DCL, as always. So, And for me, I, I mentioned Evan, mine's a little outside the box. I'm going with a manager, an assistant manager, right-handed, Eddie Howe. I'm going with Jason Tindall. Uh, saw a photo of him shushing Jurgen Klopp during the match, and that ended up not uh, working out for him. So um, he always turns up turns out to look like the the head guy, but it's always second fiddle. And once again, Newcastle can't seem to beat that top tier competition, and that's where they're trying to get. So uh, shush yourself there, Tindall. Um, yeah, so. it's tough. That's our, our worst player, and Evan, if you want to start off with our Eli Porter best player of the week. I'm the best man. I did it. That hits every time. Yeah, it hits every time. It just does not get old. Uh, I want to give it to James Madison. I, I really do, but I, th- I think it would be unfair to give it to anybody besides the man we just mentioned, Darwin Nunez. Uh, coming on so late and able to make just one of the biggest comeback efforts I've seen in a considerable amount of time. Two goals within, you know, 25 minutes of being on the pitch. Very, very impressive stuff. Uh, taking three points against an extremely tough Newcastle side and a team that defend really well is just extremely impressive. So I got to give it to, to Darweezy this week. I mean, I think he might be sped, but... um was that was special man really was yeah zach agrees with you he said darwin super sub two great goals on the break uh shows liverpool's insane attacking threat off the bench uh i would like to give an honorable mention to sterling for what he did Mm -hmm. against luton but you would imagine anybody could do that uh against that luton team so i'm gonna have to go with bruno fernandez for united uh the, the hole they got dragged drug into in that match Four minutes in, uh, fortunate for them, like you mentioned, they had a full 90 to, to dig out of it. And he, he was a key part in that entire match, uh, leading the charge, showing why he's the captain now. Uh, picked up a dumb yellow card at the end of the game for no reason, but that's what you get with him. He, he's the definition of Rat FC. And, um, but yeah, he, he came up in clutch moments, providing goals and also sealing the winner on a high intense uh, situation in that pen. So got to give it to my guy, Bruno. Yeah. All right. That's very fair. Um, all right. Do we have anything else? I'm sure you're you're ready to get into bed. I think, yeah, we have our predictions, and then we can close out um, last week's results. Not as good as week two, but all positive, if not level. Evan, five and five. Zach and I both six and four. Takes everybody's overall record. Still very good. Evan is 18 and 11, and Zach and I are 20 and nine. So... Great so far. Getting to week four with 10 fixtures once again. Yeah. 
Okay, guys. Thanks for checking the episode out. Make sure you follow us on social media. You oh, can... did you not want to give me your picks? Or do you not have Oh, my God, you picks, dude. That's what I was saying, that. I just fucking blacked out. <laughs> picks. Okay, Lutontown versus West Ham, Friday, September 1st. Jesus Christ, dude, I'm losing my mind. This is what happens when we do it late. I know. I will take West Ham in this one. Yeah, uh, I'm taking West Ham as well, and then so is Zach. I'm I'm really excited for this match just because of that stadium and what it's going to be like watching on television. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be a massive talking point for everybody, and we're going to see what the what the changes were they had to make. Yeah, I'm excited to see that too. It's so tiny. Like You're going to be able to see everything behind the stadium just because the walls are so low. Uh, that will definitely be, be interesting to see. I don't know if it'll be cool. I think it might be sad. But it should it should be a talking point either way. Um, okay, Sheffield United versus Everton up next. Huge game. Uh, I have a hard time picking Everton, so I, I genuinely think I'm going to take Sheffield in this one. They've looked more threatening. Zach's going with a draw. He That's probably the most sensible pick, but I'm a sucker, and if I'm taking Everton here. If Everton can't win this game... It's uh, it's gonna be a long season, so and I'd I'd have to be off of them for a while, but I think they they nick it here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Man City versus Fulham. That should be an easy one. I'm gonna take City there. Yep, Man City for myself and Zach. Tim Ream returning after his one match suspension, so that should be a big boost for them. Club cap. Okay. Um, Chelsea versus Nottingham Forest. That was a little bit tougher. Uh, I think Chelsea will be running hot though after last week's game. They should be able to win this one. I'll I'll take Chelsea against Nottingham Forest. Yep, Chelsea for myself and Zach. I feel a little more confident, but Forest have been pr- proving they're better on the road and are competing with the the best in Arsenal and United there, or as we think they should be. But uh, this Chelsea team's looking better and better as we go on, and uh, we just got to stop them on the counters, and that's why we brought in Caicedo. So hopefully he has a big game. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you the next four, and then each of us will take one uh, for first picks at the end. Uh, Burnley versus Tottenham. Who do you have first here? Uh, You have to go with Tottenham. Uh, I was hoping Burnley would have more of a fight against Villa, but it just didn't seem like they could get it done, and I could see a similar result here with Spurs, who under James Madison at at the at the 10 spot just look uh unstoppable going forward. So, it could be a high scoring match, but I do have Spurs and then uh Zach Zach the same. Yeah, I'm going to take Spurs as well. So that's a clean sweep there. Uh Brentford versus Bournemouth up next. Uh similar to them against Palace, but I feel like Brentford at home is going to be a little tough for Bournemouth here, so I'm going to have to go with the Bees and then uh Zach as well is taking them. Another clean sweep. I'll go with the Bees as well. Brighton versus Newcastle. I think we're all going to be split on this one. Yeah, this would have to be my uh, potentially game of the week right behind Arsenal United, but uh, I'm going to go with Newcastle here. Uh, I'm going to give them the edge on the road. I feel like they're they're itching a little bit more, and I feel like they just have might have a little bit of an edge on Brighton after last week, their collapse with uh, West Ham. So I'm going to take the, the, the Magpies, and then Zach's going with a draw. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a draw as well. Uh, I was I was kind of pushing myself to take Brighton, but I, I don't know. I I think they will bounce back, but Newcastle are such a good side, and I think they're gonna be so upset with what happened last week against Liverpool. 
uh, that it's still going to be a tough match. I think they're they're going to grind for it. So I'll take a draw. I think it's going to be hard to contain Brighton either way. Uh, yeah. And then Crystal Palace versus Wolves. Uh, Zach's going with Palace, and I am as well. It's kind of a default answer. It's going to be really ugly, but I think Eze finally scores his first goal of the season here. I think this one's going to be really tough. Um, I'm going to take a draw. I just think Wolves are going to bog down that midfield so much. As much as I would like to say Palace, just stomp them. I don't think that's the way it's going to go. Palace aren't scoring at a sensational clip so far this season, and I know Wolves' defense is poor, but I, I think they slow it down enough, and I think we just get a draw, maybe a 1-1 uh, or a 0-0. I don't, I don't think this is going to be a pretty game to watch. Mateus Nunes is back, but he's trying to force that move to Man City. Yeah. Do you know who picked him up in fantasy? Because I tried. Uh, think didn't Tim? Somebody got him. I don't know. Tim shouldn't have been able to get him. He was last on waivers, but... Have to uh, double check. I'll have to double check after this. And then I will give you this one, Liverpool versus Aston Villa. I'm going with a draw here. No VVD, but I feel like it's going to be an absolute barn burner. Uh, Zach's taking Liverpool outright at home. Yeah, I'm going to take Aston Villa uh, straight up. I think they're able to do it. No VVD. Trent's looking as fragile as ever. Uh, you take Diaby down that wing. If, if he gets loose on this Liverpool defense, he's going to absolutely cut them apart. Watkins is going to have a ton of chances on drags, things of that nature. Yeah. I, I think Villa could absolutely slice them open in this game. I'm I'm gonna go with the villains. Okay. Um, and then our last of the week, saving the best for last, Arsenal versus Manchester United on Sunday at eleven thirty. Unfortunately, I picked up a shift, so I will have to be watching cool. this one at work. I know. Yikes. But the money's worth it. I'm gonna take Arsenal. I think I think we should fucking destroy them. Yeah, Zach's going with Arsenal as well. It's 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 a matchup between two teams that have been struggling to start, but still have been getting the results. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm interested in the matchups of Saka versus Delo down that left. You're going to be seeing that midfield. What's Havertz going to fill in there? How's he going to combat? Casemiro hasn't had the best start of the year. They've been leaking chances and on chances down the middle, and then a. Uh, both teams, their number nines are returning. We got Jesus potentially making a return at a starting role. And then we could see the debut of Hoyland. So it, there's a lot of storylines going into this. But uh, I think default, you got to back the home team here. So I'm going to go with Arsenal. Okay, cool. Um, okay, now that is everything. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I tried to end this one prematurely. That's my bad. Um, so again, thank you guys for listening for real this time. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. And until next week, take care, enjoy the games, and we'll see you then.